0: Uh, Church family, it is so exciting to be uh, back in the pulpit with you uh, this Sunday to begin uh, 2023. Happy New Year to you uh, today. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And as you do that, I want to take a moment just to say again, Kyle and Kaylee, we are so excited to have you guys uh, with us here this morning at Enon. And so thankful that you guys were willing to put your yes on the table uh, for Jesus to give your life to the service of the kingdom of God among uh, the nations and we truly are praying here at Enon. we are looking for the day that we uh, from our church family that we see a family, an individual, some couples who will say yes to Jesus to go short term, mid term but maybe even to go like Kyle and Kaylee or to go long term to say Lord we'll go as long as you'd have us to go for the glory of Jesus and they are going through the International Mission Board uh, which because we're a Southern Baptist Church we get to help be a part of that. So many other missionaries have to go around and raise support. Uh, Kaylee and Grant are here this morning, and all they're asking for is for us to pray because 100% of their financing is covered through the International Mission Board uh, because of Southern Baptist churches like ourselves giving to the cooperative program, but also giving uh, to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering that you gave uh, just a few weeks ago. And so, Can we just one more time celebrate them this morning and thank them for being here? And church, when we we say we're going to commit to pray for Grant and and Kaylee, we don't want to just give word service to that. They need it. Uh, They're going to a dark area uh, that needs Jesus. And the devil does not like it when these folks uh, come in here. And mom and dad of one of the two was here in the first service of Grant. And uh, it's one thing to praise the Lord for those who are going. It's another thing to praise the Lord for moms and dads who are willing to send. And I promise you that mom and daddy, when, when they hear us say that they're going to pray for their kids... Uh, than then they really hope we do. And so church, we want to commit to, to doing that. But uh, this morning, uh, we want to tell you again, Happy New Year. And I, as we kind of reach today, the, the end of the first week of the new year, I, I hope all of you who committed to do your New Year's resolution, I hope you've had a great uh, first week of that. You know, Over half of Americans uh, do commit to do some sort of New Year's goals or New Year's resolutions. The, the four most popular uh, deal with exercising, eating better, losing weight, and Saving money. Uh, But the sad part of that is that 81% of people will fail in their New Year's resolutions by the month of February. So we wish you well this month uh, as you try these goals. I heard a guy say one time that he was so good at making New Year's resolutions uh, that he's kept the same ones for 10 years. And so, uh, But uh, truthfully speaking, though, I do think it's good. I I think we see in Scripture that in the Old Testament, especially that they took times at certain dates and certain times of the years to celebrate. And it's good to have markers in our lives where we're beginning afresh. And and I think setting New Year's goals is a good God-honoring thing. I think that God wants us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be the best we can be for His name and glory. Sadly, though, sometimes we set our goals uh, not on bad things, but just on lesser things. You know, if your goal this year is to grow the best Fu Manchu ever, you know, hey, good good for you. I hope it works out well. Uh, but there are so many better things that we can focus on in life. And so today, as we begin our new year here at Enon, I want us to look at a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain from Matthew chapter 6. And I want us to, to give you a few things that are worth pursuing this year. So I'd like to invite you to stand with me this morning in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. Let's pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, today, what we need this Sunday morning, more than anything else, God, is we just need to hear from you. And Jesus, I, I believe that you want to speak to every person in this room. You know them by name. You know the situation, the places of their life. And God, I believe that as we talk today about treasures that remain in heaven, true focuses of our lives, God, I pray that you would call and you would invite people this morning God, to come into your presence. And God, I pray that you would soften the soils of our hearts. I bind the enemy in Jesus' name from this room. God, may you speak today for your name and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here in verses 19 through 21, Jesus reminds us of the dangers of pursuing wrong or lesser things. And he uses the word treasure. He says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He doesn't necessarily say those things are wrong, but he says that they are lesser. They won't they they won't last. And and sometimes we do, we focus on the wrong things when God says that, but rather focus on the treasure, the things in your life that will remain forever, where rust does not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I had a great picture this last week of somebody focusing not on bad things, uh, but lesser things, and it had to do with our family dog. His name is Ace. Uh, he's a gold retriever, and you know, we got a lot of rain this last week. Well, I built Ace a real nice pen. I want him some room to run around, and so I fenced in a big portion of our backyard with trees and all kind of nice stuff. And we got him an igloo doghouse. I mean, this thing is nice. You know, it's a condominium out there, and and uh, and Ace has a great time. He loves his little area, and, but when it rains, uh, this is the problem with Ace. When it rains, Ace will go and get underneath the pine trees. Instead of going and getting in his doghouse. And, and we've done everything in the world to try to teach Ace to go into the doghouse. To the point to where I have been inside the doghouse in the pouring rain. Begging Ace to come in. But finally I just gave up and to look outside and to see this dog in the rain. Underneath this pine tree uh, and not be in the doghouse. Now listen, if the pine tree is all you've got, I understand it. It's good. But when you've got a doghouse there, it's lesser than what it could be. And friends, this morning, when we look at this passage of Scripture, leading up in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1, all the way up to this passage where He talks about, Jesus talks about basically focusing on the things that will last, the good things, the things that will last forever. He gives us some focuses of our life that will not fade. And so the title of our message today is Four Focuses of Life That Will Not Fade. As we look at these this morning, church, I want you to know something today. That my heart for you as your pastor for 2023 is I do pray that the Lord blesses you. I pray the Lord blesses you in health and finances and, and that in your family. I pray all those things come to you. And I bless you with uh, that number of Shepherd 6 blessing at the end of every service. I do pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. But I want you to know this morning that my greatest desire for you in 2023, but most importantly what I believe is God's greatest desire for you, is He wants you to know more of Him this next year. If you've joined us in this one-year Bible reading plan, this last week you would have read about two men, about Noah and Enoch. And the Bible says of both of these men, it says they walked with God. You know, that's what God wants for you this next year. God wants you to to live every day tangibly in the presence of Jesus, to know His nearness in a great way. And so as I give you some of these focuses that, that you can adjust your life to this next year, yes, it will take some discipline, but I don't want you to hear these things as religious disciplines, but rather I want you to hear them this morning as invitations from Jesus to come and know Him more. And so in verses 1 through 19, all the way up to this passage where Jesus talks about don't store up treasures on earth, but rather store up treasures in heaven, in kind of a shotgun way, He gives us, I believe, some treasures, some things that we could focus on. And so if you're keeping notes this morning, our first truth today is that daily reading of the Scriptures is a focus in your life That will not fade. Now, we do not exclusively see Jesus calling his disciples to read the word daily in Matthew chapter 6. However, it's such a crucial part of our relationship with God that we are called to all over Scripture that I felt the need to include it this morning. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Brother Zach Goforth, our associate pastor, preach a fantastic sermon on the importance of making God's Word part of your daily life in 2023. If you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go on our website and listen to that sermon. So I'm not going to retrace those steps. But what I do want to help you with this morning is I want to give you some tools, some help, some some resources and how to better be a people who truly read God's Word daily in 2023. Last Sunday, I got to visit North Park Baptist Church in Trustville, Alabama. We partner with North Park and our student and our children's camps and the, the pastor there and several of the ministers there, are uh, dear friends of mine. But Stephen Hall, their associate pastor, opened up their service this last week in inviting people to read God's Word daily. And this was the statement that he made. He said, there is no path to spiritual maturity that doesn't involve God's Word in your life. And that's a thousand percent true. If if we want to draw closer to God this year, it must include God's word in your life. So I want to give you a few helpful hints to help you succeed in this journey today. And if you've not decided to take that journey yet, you can still do that. Do that today. But first, to daily read God's word this next year, you need a plan. Friends, I have found this true in my life and the life of others around me. uh, That to be a man or woman of God that is truly in His Word, we have to have a plan. You've heard that old statement before, that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If your time with God essentially looks like you getting up each morning and just opening the Bible to some passage of Scripture and reading, let me say something to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is is that in my experience, very few people who do that genuinely are faithful in God's Word every day. And very few people who do that get the whole story of God in Scripture. I want to encourage you this next year to join us in this one year chronological Bible reading plan. You Today you can phys- you can pick up a physical Bible that will walk you through it and it gives you the scriptures every day according to the date for you to read. Or you can pick up the reading plan and you can do it in your own Bible. Uh, or as my daughter showed me uh, just this last week that I didn't know how to do, if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can go to plans and you can actually search chronological one-year Bible and you can do it on your phone, but however you choose to do it, I encourage you to join us on that plan this year. About 15 years ago, my wife and I were introduced to a one-year Bible reading plan, and we read through the Bible in a year, and I promise you this, it changed my relationship with God. I and mean, I was in ministry even at that time, but it changed my walk with God, and we want that for you today. But let me say one more thing. Let your plan, let the Bible reading plan be your guide, let it guide you. Don't let it guilt you, okay? There's going to be days where you're going to have hard days. There's going to be days when life happens. You will miss a day here and there. That's going to happen. You may miss a whole week at some point. What I would encourage you to do, and I've I've seen this happen over and over again, is that if you get behind in your Bible reading plan, people get discouraged, and then they just fall off. They end up bailing on it. Let me tell you this. Start every day afresh at that day's reading. If you miss something, don't go back and try to make up what you've missed. Start from that day. If you get a one-year Bible today, don't start with January 1st. Start today with January 8th. And this is what happens. This is what you need to think about. If you commit to read through the Bible this year, anything you miss, then if you do it again next year, you'll pick it up next year. Okay? So don't let your plan guilt you. Let it guide you. So you need a plan. Secondly... To daily read through God's Word, you need a time and a place. You need having that set time and place where you read through God's Word. This is important in prayer and in reading God's Word. For me, it is early in the morning. And believe it or not, 4 o'clock comes twice a day. You know, so 5 o'clock comes twice a day. 6 o'clock comes twice Get up early in the morning and meet with God. That's usually where you're going to find time in your busy life. But for some people... They can do it every night before they go to bed. However it works for you. But you need a time and you need a place where you meet with God. And then finally, to daily read God's word, you need some partners. Man, you need some people who will do it with you. There's nothing that helps you staying more faithful to God's word than having people that you are doing it alongside with. God designed the church Because spiritual maturity is a team sport. We are all part of the body of Christ. And so there's several ways that you can partner with other people to read God's word this year. You can read alongside your spouse now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you sit down and, and you take turns reading the Bible to one another. That may work for you, but I promise you, me and Kimberly Reno, that would not work for us. Because she reads really fast, and, and I read slow, and she hears things differently than I hear things. And I promise you, we would do that for a few weeks, and then it would end up not being a spiritual exercise, and we'd end up calling each other's eyes out, okay? So what works out best for us is we read the same Bible reading plan, we do it separately, and then we talk about it all during the day. Hey, what did God speak to you? Did you see this today? So do it with your spouse. Do it with your life group or with some of your Christian friends that you read through God's Word together and y'all maybe have a text message thread where you talk about it with one another. And, and I would say this a great opportunity that you're going to have is starting this Wednesday night, Joe Turner, who's an incredible Bible teacher, he is going to be teaching through each week of the chronological Bible reading. So it'll help you understand what you're reading more so that when you get in the more difficult passages and seasons in Scripture, you can have better understanding. You can join that group on Wednesday nights. And let me say this to you. Do not be intimidated by reading through the Bible because maybe you don't understand it. I was the first in my family to come to faith in Christ. And I uh, had never been to vacation Bible school. I knew nothing about the Bible. I remember the first Bible study that I ever led, I taught on Jacob and Eshua. Because I didn't know how to pronounce Esau. Okay? (laughs) True story. But what I would say to you, there are certain parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. There's parts even today, I have a doctoral degree in theology. And there's still parts where, where I'm trying to completely understand. But those things are very small compared to the vast majority of the Bible speaks very clearly to our life and where we are. The Bible says in Psalms 19 verse 7, The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise The simple. God's word can speak into the hearts and minds of us as simple people. So that's the first thing. Again, I'm not going to rehash what we talked about last week. But one of the greatest focuses you could have in your life this year would be to make that commitment to read through God's word. And I want you to hear this from me this morning. It is my favorite part of the day. There is nothing on this planet better than to get up in the morning and not just read a book, but to hear from my Father. To have God speak in my soul. It's better than anything on earth. The the psalmist talked about your words, O Lord, are like treasure, like silver and gold. They're like honey to my taste. There's nothing sweeter than to hear God speak in your heart and life every day. And and again, it's so incredible how the Holy Spirit works it. You'll be going through a situation in your life. And that will be exactly what God speaks to you that day in his reading. So, our first truth today is to daily read God's word is a focus that will not fade. Our second truth today is that regular financial giving unto the Lord is a focus that will not fade. Now, let's jump back at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. And just before that, in Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 2, he said, So, when you give to the poor, Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I understand that anytime you start talking about financial giving and financial generosity from the pulpit, that the devil loves to immediately put the thought in people's mind. Well, here they go again begging for money. I, I want you to recognize something here for a moment that if you hear that voice today, that is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of God speaking in your heart and life. But what I would say to you here today is here at Indian Baptist Church, our focus is on people and the glory of Jesus. We're not focused on your pocketbooks. But that being said, the Bible has so much to say about what we do with our money. And why? Because it's such a huge part of our life. We should expect that God would have some truth to teach us. And many of you in this room today, you desperately need God in your finances. And you're starting 2023 and you're like, God, I need to get my finances in order. Let me tell you what you need today. You need God in your life. And this passage starts off today, it teaches us about how we are to give privately as we give to those in need. Which is a huge part of our generosity. We should be a people who help people around us. The Bible talks about to love our neighbor as ourselves, and often that is a financial thing. But as we think about that, we need to recognize that this passage reminds us that regular giving should be a part of our lives. Church, the Bible makes it clear that the material things in this life, including our finances, are all gifts from God. And like all things from God, He has a desire in how we should handle His gifts that will best honor Him, bless us, and minister to others. And a cornerstone of that is giving. I could preach a whole series on this, but I want to give you just two quick truths today to help you begin to honor God in your finances this year. First... The Bible makes it clear that God desires that we give financially to Him. If you were reading the one-year Bible this last week, you can go all the way back to the beginning. And you go to the story of Cain and Abel. And you see both Cain and Abel bringing offerings to God from what God has blessed them. Now, I, I can't, I, every time I hear this, I have to tell this story. So, my, my, my brother, uh, one of his, his sons, his name is Abel, and he's the second son. And uh, Cooper is the oldest. And one day, coming on from church several years ago, uh, my, my brother was driving and he said, Hey, what y'all learn in church today? And, uh, and Cooper said, Dad, we learned about these two brothers, and one brother killed the other brother, and his name was Abel. This is the older brother, and he has a little brother named Abel. And Kyle went, yeah, and he said, hey, Dad, don't worry. I ain't going to kill Abel. <laughs> he was like, well, son, that's good. i kind of scared you felt like you had to tell me that, but that's good. I'm, that's, good to, that's good to hear that. But if you go all the way back there to the beginning, you see both of these men bringing portions of what God had blessed them with to God. Since the very beginning, one of the main ways that we worship and thank God is by giving a portion of what He has given us back to him as a way of saying thank you to God, but also as a way of recognizing, oh God, everything I have comes from you. Church, if you're desiring to honor God in your finances this year, regular giving unto him must be part of that plan. Now we can also see from the story of Cain and Abel that God was pleased with how Abel gave God of the first fruits of his offering. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, it says... And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Now, throughout scriptures, we, we see a term called the first fruits, and that's exactly what Abel did here. Abel gave of the first fruits unto the Lord. The Bible says this was the type of offering that pleased. God. And so first fruits lets us know two things about what that offering looked like. First it reminds us of the priority of our financial offering. Basically the first fruits means that you give unto the Lord first before you distribute your monies in any other way. That should be the first check that you write. That should be the first thing you do online if you give online. It should be the first thing you do. You're saying unto the Lord first. God as you've given unto me. God I'm giving back to you. You set that as a Priority. We should give to God first. But it also reminds us of the portion that we should give. All throughout Scripture, first fruits is interchangeable or synonymous with the tithe, which is a tenth. In Scripture, the principle of giving is that God would call His people to give the tithe unto Him. Which basically means you take your paycheck or you take whatever God brings into your storehouse. You divide that up by 10 and you give one-tenth of that back to the Lord as the portion to say, Oh God, here's the 10% just to recognize that the entire 100% came from you. And you give that to the church in an undesignated fashion. Now, the Bible also shows that people can give regularly above and beyond their tithe. There's people who give 15%, 20%, even above that as God has blessed them. Praise God for that. But the tithe is the entry point that we do as far as honoring the Lord in our finances. Now, again, has God called us to bless other people with their needs and to meet their needs? Absolutely. I was so pleased this last year when we took that Sunday in the middle of when gas was going so high and there were so many people struggling and, and we were able to invite people to give above their tithes. And we would distribute that in gas cards, $100 gas cards in our community. And you guys gave, I think it was $15,000 that morning. We were able to bless dozens of people uh, with gas cards to let them know that Jesus loves them. And again, that's a beautiful thing. But as you help people around you, that doesn't replace your tithe. That is above and beyond that. Now, let me say this as a quick warning. I know that when we talk about giving 10%, That for many people, if you're not accustomed to that, that seems impossible. That seems so huge to give 10%. Some of you in this room today, you're living 110%. You're living way above your means and you don't know how to bring that into order. When I counsel people this way, I say begin giving unto the Lord and God will meet you in the middle of that and He will start blessing you and start helping your finances get in order. But when I counsel people to do that, again, sometimes... Getting our life in order, just like discipleship, it takes some time. It may be impossible for you to give 10% today, but you could give 2%. And you could give 2% for January and February. And then in March and April, you could give 4%. And then after that, you could go up to 6%. And then you could begin working yourself towards that 10%. Adjusting your life in such a way that honors God is often a process, but God will honor it when we take steps in that direction. Church, some of the greatest ways that I have seen God bless and move and work in my life in special ways has been through His financial provision in my life over the years. And in most situations, some of the greatest moments where I've seen the hand of the Lord step in followed a moment where my giving unto Him was challenged and it was hard. But every time that I was faithful and I gave unto the Lord, God stepped in and blessed abundantly. Listen, if you live and give obediently and generously to God and others, God doesn't promise that He'll make you a millionaire. And some people will tell you that, and that is wrong. But what He does promise is that He'll bless you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. We need to do this as adults, but kids, you can do this. We got some of our teenagers in here this morning. Guys, you can begin to do this. I remember as a teenager, when I started working at 15 years old, I got my, my first summer job, and I started tithing. And on the weeks that I remembered to tithe, it seemed like my little paycheck would just last forever. But on the weeks that I forgot to tithe, it was like it would disappear in my billfold. And God taught me, if I'm faithful to give unto Him first, that He will honor that. Probably one of my favorite stories of God's blessing. And I could tell you a thousand of my own stories, but one of my, one of my brother's stories is my favorite. He had not long; he, had, he was in college. He had given his life to Christ. He got up one Sunday morning. He was going to Gardner First Baptist Church. And he said that... Uh, he he was looking at, he was gonna write his tithe out, and he was looking at his little checkbook, and he said he had a payment that week uh, to Dell Computers because he had bought a computer and financed it to go to college on. And it was like a $22 payment, but hey man, you're a single college student, $22 was was a lot of money. And and so he's looking at having to pay this bill or pay his tithes. And he had just, we had just talked about that at church, and he said, God, I'm gonna trust you. And so he wrote his check out to his tithes. And he said, honestly, in his heart, he kind of fully expected that week to have to call my mom or my dad or my granddad and say, hey, can you spot me 20 bucks? You know, I got a bill I need to pay. But he said he wrote the check, gave it unto the Lord, and he didn't think another thing about it. That evening, he came back to a college and career worship service. And a man walked up to him, he was a member in the church, and he walked up with tears in his eyes, almost hysterical, and said, Kyle, I heard from God this afternoon in a way that I've never heard from him in my life. He handed him an envelope and walked away. Kyle opened up the envelope, and the check was written out to Dell Computers. And the amount was not for the payment, but was to the penny for the payoff of that laptop. And he said, listen, church, God doesn't always work in just that way, but sometimes God steps in just to show out a little bit to say, I see you, I hear you. And so you need to give unto God. And then finally, the Bible makes it clear that we should live in such a way that we should give as we should. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, that if we have food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. Contentment Is one of the great, should be one of the greatest principles for how Christians live. We should not live as though we have to have the newest and nicest things on this earth because our hearts should be filled with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate with a nice steak on occasion. And that doesn't mean that you can't give or receive a really nice gift on occasion. These things are all good and right things. But what it should mean is that you don't live for the stuff of this world. Let me tell you what it also means. It also means that if God has blessed you greatly to the point to where you can buy a brand new boat or you can buy buy a brand new car each year just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it doesn't mean God wants you to do that. Maybe by you walking in contentment, it frees up margin in your life where you can give more generously and you can bless others and you can give under the kingdom, work through the church because of that. I remember uh, Steve Gaines used to say that every time he felt like he needed to buy a new truck, he would wash the one he had. And there's some truth to that. And I'll say this, the Bible makes it really clear, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than receive. I've received a lot of beautiful gifts in my life. But eventually all those gifts fade, that money gets spent, and those things go away. But every time that God has put me on the other side of that and called me to give above and beyond, called me to give sacrificially, it's those moments when the Spirit of God speaks into my heart and says, well done, Zach, that lasts forever. A few ways that you can live so that you can give is first go to work. People who get a paycheck are able to be generous. Live by a budget and then pray about your purchases. One of the things that I would encourage you is to take one of these before you leave and look over all the, the, the glory of Jesus, all that we were able to do this last year in Jesus' name at Enon. And we were able to do that because of people's faithfulness to give. And folks, there's still work to be done. So God may be calling you into financial giving this next year for your sake and for the glory of Jesus. Our third truth this morning is that persistent prayer is a focus of our life that will not fade. Daily, reading God's word, financial giving unto God, and then persistent prayer. If you look at verses 5 through 13 in Matthew 6, Jesus says a lot about prayer. He said, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they'll be heard by their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask of him. Pray then in this way, and then he gives the Lord's prayer: Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us from our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? When Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray here, he mentions that great rewards comes to those who pray. And those rewards are absolutely, they do include God answering prayers. But the greatest reward of prayer, church, is not the answers to the prayer, but it is communion with the Father. My wife does so much for me uh, as my helpmate in life. I can't tell you in ministry and as a man, as a father, she helps me in so many different ways. Almost daily, I call her and ask her a favor, ask her, her a question on things. On Sunday mornings, after I preach the first service, and you see me and my wa- wife walking out as soon as we get through that door, the first thing I look at my wife, I say, "Well, what'd you think?"?" <laughs> you know? And she'll tell me, "My <laughs> way, she helps me in so many different ways. Let me say this to you. If I go on a mission trip or if we're away from each other for a long period of time, the things that I miss are not the things that she provides for me. But I just miss her presence. I just miss being in her presence. Prayer is not intended to be phone calls into heaven where we quickly make requests. But rather prayer is intended to be a supernatural portal that transports us into the presence of God our Father. Prayer is that place where you come into the presence of God and the world around you melts away. Where He lifts your spirit and speaks into your soul. Friends, if you truly want to add something to your life this year, you will never regret, regret that will never fade away. Then make prayer a primary focus of your life. Let me give you two ways you can do that. First, you'll make prayer a focus of your life if you pray prepared this year. And listen, God is available for us to come and call out to Him anytime, anywhere. But what I have found is when I prepare to pray, to to spend 30 minutes with God, to spend an hour with God, to make that decision, I want to spend some true time with God. When I prepare in that, then I'm better. I, I, I pray more intimately. I feel like I have prayed through, is what the old folks used to say. I have made it into the presence of God. I've emptied my heart before Him. And a few ways you can do that is prepared people, they always have a place and a time of prayer. Just like reading God's Word, uh, those things usually go hand in hand. You've got to have a place and time. Also, people who pray well, they have a pattern that they follow in prayer. A way that they flow in how they pray. If you're here today and you're like, Zach, I don't even know how to pray for more than 10 minutes. You know, I'm, I'm done. I don't really know how to commune with the Father. The Lord's Prayer is a great pattern. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Go, God, I praise you. Just take time and say, God, I, I praise you. I want to hallowed your name. I want to thank you for everything good in my life. I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to hallowed your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, I pray that your kingdom would come. I want you, God. I want you in my life. And then start, give us this day our daily bread. God, here's my request. Here's my needs. Here's the worries in my life. Forgive me of my debts as I forgive others. Oh God, here's my sin, my failures. Oh God, I confess them to you. And then you end again with, with praise, for yours is the king and the power the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a great pattern. You know what usually leads my prayer time? Is my one-year Bible. As I read God's word, I read it with a pen or a highlighter in my hand. And I underline anything that convicts me, anything that speaks to me, anything that encourages me. And then when I'm done, I lay my Bible open. In front of me, I kneel before the Word of God, and then everything that I've highlighted and everything that I've underlined guides my conversation back to God. God has spoken to me in His Word, so I speak back to Him. And then create some prompts in prayer. I would love to say that I remember everything that I want to pray about regularly, but I don't. I'm easily distracted, just like most of us are. I have those squirrel moments when I pray. Anybody else do that? No. Man, I'm in the middle of a prayer time and all of a sudden something goes through my mind. Squirrel! You know, Think about that. I, I, something I need to do. Uh, an errand that I need to run. What helps me in that is a friend of mine showed me this years ago with some prayer cards. Man, I've got a card for my entire family. I've got cards for my children. I've got cards for our entire staff. I've got cards for the church. And then I've got tons of cards that are just scripture. Things that I want in my life. You want some power, man. Start praying scripture in your life. I have, I have scriptures I pray for myself, for my family, for our church. And then every day I'll just take those cards and I won't pray through all of them every day. But I'll pray through some of them and then I'll put them down. And next time I'll pick them back up right where I am. These prompts will help you. And i tell you what's a hallelujah moment is when you come to a card you've been praying for and all of a sudden God's answered it. Man, you're talking about something good. You get to that. This is where I've been laying this before the Lord. Now all of a sudden I can say, oh God, thank you. Thank you for having met this need. So pray prepared and then secondly you'll make prayer a focus of your life if you pray together this year all over scripture we see God's people not only praying but we see them in gathered prayer there's something powerful when we pray individually and you should every day but also pray together Acts chapter 4 verse 31 talks about when the people of God had come together to pray it said when they had prayed the place where they were gathered together was shaken. Friends, there are certain things that God does when I pray with other people that's just unique to a gathering of prayer. Gathered prayer can teach you how to pray. You want to learn how to pray better? Man, you get And when I say better, I'm not talking about like to sound better. I'm talking about where you are communing with God more intimately. You want to commune with God better? Then you get around people who know how to pray and talk to God. And you'll learn. You'll be discipled in how to pray Gathered prayer can lead you to pray. It can be a prompt of prayer, and gathered prayer can empower your prayer. There's something special about coming in agreement with other people. Oh God, we're praying for this person to be saved, and Lord, we call on my name and me and Brother John. We just come in agreement. Oh God, would you save? The Scripture gives tons of evidence to the power of God's people praying together. Here at Ian, we provide a few ways for you to gather together with others and pray. I encourage you to make this year the year where you don't miss monthly prayer as a priority in your life. That will be next Sunday at 6 p.m. When we pray through that entire month, we gather together. and There's something powerful about the roar of prayer ascending in a room. Make that a priority of your month. We do mom's prayer every Wednesday night at 545 in the Old Sanctuary area. You can ask my wife about that for more details, but we're interceding for children and students for the next generation. We encourage our life groups to take time together just to pray, and we always welcome people wanting to start new prayer gatherings and prayer meetings. Church family, as your pastor this next year in 2023, I want to call you to extraordinary prayer. Zach, what is extraordinary prayer? It's more than ordinary. It's just more than you did last year. I want to call you to take steps towards extraordinary prayer. So this morning, the three focuses we've talked about thus far, reading God's Word, giving generously, and praying persistently. And then lastly, our fourth and final truth this morning is that spiritual fasting is a focus of your life that will not fade. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus speaks about fasting. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they'll be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So the fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There it is again. God promising that fasting... Brings reward. Now honestly, fasting may be one of, the spirit, one of the most least followed spiritual disciplines in the Christian church. But it's something that Jesus makes clear that we should do when you fast. We see it all over the Bible. And the promise is that if we fast regularly, is that God will reward us. Now, a lot of people don't know what fasting is. So let me give you a few quick truths on what that can look like. First, fasting is you intentionally depriving yourself of certain types of food and or drink for a set period of time. In the Bible, we see people fasting from just food, or from food and drink, or from even certain types of food and drink, like a Daniel fast, where you, for a period of time, you just eat fruits and vegetables and drink water. In the Bible, there are different links of fasts. People fast for one day, people fast for three days, people fast for seven days, 10 days, 21 days, and even 40 days. Everyone can fast in some way. Even people with medical conditions. I know people who fasted as little as sweets or coffee. And I've seen people go as long as fasting 40 days, only drinking liquid. And everything in between. God honors when His people fast. And that's between you and Uh, You and God, and and if you do have any health conditions, take certain medications, even between you and God and your doctors. Let me say this, there's nothing wrong with giving up TV or social media or something for a period of time. Those are good God-honoring things, and those are things that are good to do during a season of fasting, but I would say you need to include that with some sort of depriving yourself, some sort of type of food or drink during that time, because fasting is the depriving of yourself of certain foods and drink. Spiritual fasting is always meant to be combined with prayer and seeking God. Let me say this. If you are fasting, you're giving up food or drink or certain types of food or drink for a period of time and you're not praying and meeting with God, you're not fasting. You're on a very weird diet, okay? That's not fasting. Fasting is you giving up these things to go and spend time with God. I had a friend of mine, uh, he fasted. He was in the Air Force and he was a pilot and so he had to eat breakfast and lunch during the day because it was part of their requirements to be physically fit, to be ready to go. But he fasted dinner for 21 days, uh, as our church called one another 21 days. And it was pretty special to hear his teenage sons and his wife talk about how he would come in, bless their meal, tell his family that he loved them, and then he would leave the kitchen table to go into his prayer closet to meet with God during dinner. And that family and those children always had those memories of a dad who took a season to feast on God. The purpose behind spiritual fasting are many, but every situation is you're asking for more of God. You may be fasting for direction. You may be fasting for more of God, or for, for, for God's Word in your life. You may be fasting that somebody comes to faith in Christ. All these things are good, but what you're asking for, the overarching picture is you're saying, God, we just need more of you. We need you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 22, He spoke about fasting. And He said, he used the illustration of wineskins. He said, you can't put old, new wine into old wineskins. He said, but you put new wine into new wineskins. Fasting doesn't change the situation that you're in in life, but it changes you in the middle of it. It prepares you for more of God. And then spiritual fasting is something that God's people can do individually and they can do it congregationally. I encourage you this next year, if you're facing a big decision in your life, don't just pray, but pray and fast. Take some time to fast. If you're in a season of spiritual dryness and you're like, God, I need you, then pray and fast. If you've got spiritual warfare going on around you, The Bible talks about Jesus and his disciples casting out demons. And Jesus told his disciples one time, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Sometimes you need to pray and fast. There's many times that I would say individually you need to take some time to pray and fast. Just listen to the Holy Spirit on that. But then congregationally, there are times when we need to do it together as a church. And that's coming up. We're going to be doing 21 days of prayer and fasting again like we did last year. We're going to begin on Monday morning, January 23rd. Go ahead and put that on your calendars. We want to get on the other side of D now. On Monday morning, January 23rd, and we will fast through Sunday morning, February 12th. And what we're asking, we're inviting everybody in the church to join us in some way of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Go ahead and begin praying now. God, how would you like me to fast during that time. And the Holy Spirit can lead you in that. We'll be sending out prayer prompts and ways for us to pray together. We're going to have the sanctuary open uh, every morning during the 21 days from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and every afternoons from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. so people can just come whenever you'd like to come and spend some time with God. We truly want to press into God this next year. And I promise you if we do it, God is going to meet with us in that. I'm going to ask Brother Micah and Leslie and some of our instrumentalists to come and make their way back and and as they do as we talk about giving you these areas where you can focus you can lean in to more of God this next year and and truly church family this is not just religious disciplines okay we're not just asking you to do religious disciplines we're asking you through scripture to hear the voice of God inviting you in to more my little girls in here uh, in the second service and um but uh several years ago we went to a lake in arkansas that we got to go and uh spend some time together as a family We had a church member who owned a lake house and they'd let our pastors of the church just come and 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 uh, take some seasons to get away and so we did we went away and we spent a week at the lake and he had a pontoon boat and uh i love on a pontoon. anyway i love a pontoon so anyway there's a. Uh, the top of the pontoon deck had a, had a deck where you could climb up on top of it, and you could you could jump off the pontoon uh, boat, the second deck, into the water. Ah. I- loved it man that like as soon as we got in the water i was like kids you have got to see this you know so i i got up and got up on top of the the, the deck and jumped off and did a cannonball and and immediately jackson man he is like our little daredevil man he put on the life jacket we could barely get a life jacket on him he jumped up ran up jumped off into the water and and then ella got up there and and uh, and we were she was a little afraid and I remember saying, hey, baby, you can do this. You can, you can do it. And so she got up there at the top, and she's like, oh, daddy, I don't know. And I'm in the water, and, and Jackson's in the water. And I say, come on, baby, you can do it. You can do it. And so we started calling to her. And finally, she made the decision to jump in. And as soon as she hit the water, she came up with a big grin on her face from ear to ear. And she's like, that was awesome, you know. And then she runs around and starts climbing up the ladder and getting back up on top of the pontoon. And we were all jumping off, and we had a great day together. And, man, as I was praying for you guys this morning... Talking about these disciplines in your life, the picture in my mind came back to that day of the Father wading in the water into something that's unsure to you, but calling out to you saying, just jump. Just, just dive in, just dive in, and it'll be so good. Just dive in, it'll be so exciting. Just step in, and you will enjoy my presence. So this morning, some of you may be afraid to jump into the Bible. Man, I'm going to tell you, he's in the water, and he's saying, man, just come in, my child. Come in, son. Some of you may be afraid to really step into prayer or fasting or even financial generosity. You're afraid of that, but God is saying to you this morning, oh, if you just jump in, I'm good. He's inviting us into his presence presence friends God is inviting us to come unto him you know what not one of us in this room not one of us knows how many more new years we're going to have the Bible says our life is like a vapor but I would say is I would hate to get to the end of my life and wish and look back then and say oh I wish I would have jumped into Jesus sooner And it doesn't matter how many more years you have in this life, wherever you are today, God is inviting you today. The rest of your life could be some of the greatest moments in the presence of Jesus that you've ever known. He's just inviting you to come. What I want for you what God wants for you in 2023 is more of Jesus. And He wants that for you. So what I would encourage you to do today is I'm going to ask you to stand. And as you stand... I want you to just have some time to talk to God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, God, what areas do I need to step into? It may be all four. You may be good in your Bible reading, but maybe it's financial generosity. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you've never fasted before. But whatever God is speaking in your heart, I want you to make some some time with God in these next few moments. Pray and make some commitments to the Lord. Say, God, here I am. I'm jumping in with you. And then lastly, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, that's the greatest, the greatest invitation he can give you today is say, come and know me. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, as we pray, just call out to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. Save me, oh God. I give my life to you. Our pastors will be up front. If you need to join this church, if you need somebody to pray with you, you feel free to come. But right now, take that time to say, oh God, I'm pursuing you this year. Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Oh God, I pray that people would pursue you in these next few moments. God, make life-changing decisions for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Micah, would you lead us? Friends, talk to the Lord as we sing.